Well, what an exciting time, um, Easter. I love Easter, and I trust that you do too. I'm not sure what this afternoon holds for you. Maybe this afternoon is just um, not a lot planned. Uh, Some of you, I was talking with you, and there really isn't a lot planned. You've already celebrated yesterday. For some of you, you have plans today, this afternoon. You're looking forward to those. Whatever it is, um, I, I trust it's a good day where you can enjoy the truth of the resurrection, that you can think about the resurrection and really be grateful for the resurrection. Made relational. That's not really an Easter title, is it? That's, that's not your typical traditional Easter title. Um, it's been the title of our last two weeks here at Kingwood, Made Relational. We've been looking at various ways that we are made relational. And I really want us to do that again this morning. You and I are relational. You recognize that? We, we are very relational as people. We are. For me, I, I recognize that at a young age. Um, for me, whether it was sitting in the hay trough, in the hay, I grew up in the country, we had horses, sitting in the hay, talking with my best friend at sixth grade, and, and having conversations with each other, that's relationship. Or whether it was going to my grandpa and grandma's house, and they lived kind of on, they lived on about 25 acres, but the house next door to them, I could look over, peek over the fence, and there was a little neighbor girl. And I thought that she was cute. And I would go to the fence and I would hope that, is she out? Is she playing? Is she going to come by? Can we talk? It was, it was, we're relational or maybe it was for me as I grew older and became a teenager. It was, it was just this desire to connect. I want to connect I want to find people I can connect with. I want people to affirm who I am, and I want to do the same. I want connection, relationship. We are relational. God has made us relational. And while God has created us to be relational, sometimes we actually can place too much emphasis on relationship. I know that might sound kind of crazy, but I think we can sometimes place too much emphasis on our relationships with other people, meaning I feel good if I'm approved by my peers. I feel good if others validate who I am and tell me what I need to hear. And if they do that, then I'm okay. But if they don't do that, and who hasn't experienced relationships where you don't receive the validation that you want, then we ourselves can feel empty, depleted. That can be hard. We've seen it, haven't we? Or maybe we ourselves have actually even experienced it. A teenager who falls apart because a girl he likes doesn't like him anymore. Ah, the end of the world. Or for the girl who likes a guy, but that guy doesn't even seem to know that she exists. End of the world. That's in the life of teenagers, but it's not just teenagers, is it? I think that we have to be honest with ourselves that even as adults, 
our identity can be very tied up in what people think of us, how people respond to us, how people treat us. Our identity can be found there. And if that is where we find our identity, guess what? Roller coaster. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Because what people think of you, what people think of me, is going to change. We have got to get beyond what people express to us. Whether or not people validate who we are. I think as adults, our identity can quickly be wrapped up in our relational status. Are you single? Are you married? Divorced? Widowed? Widower? Mother? Father? Grandparent or not? Just a week ago, had problems with our furnace. The heat wasn't turning on. And so I thought, the first thing I want to do is I want to call Northwest Natural because they come out for free. And so I thought, that's a good place to start. And so, nice gentleman, about my age, maybe a couple years younger than me, I'm just guessing, came out and we started conversing. And I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with my furnace. And as we're conversing, the conversation started going. We're in the garage and he saw some rollerblades. Yeah, we actually have rollerblades. I know those were really cool in the 90s, but we still have them. Had some rollerblades. Conversation goes to kids. And I just throw out there, do you have kids? And his response was, no, I don't have kids. And I, I knew there was something more there. But because I, because I didn't know this guy, I mean, I've only known him for about 13, 14 minutes at this point. I don't really want to go deep and ask, you know, is it because you and your wife, I know he was married, he told me that. Is it because you and your wife can't have kids? Is it because you don't want kids? What's going on here? I don't know. But I knew there was something underlying that. And I got this sense as he even said, no, I don't. That there was this pain. There was this difficulty. And my thought even in talking to him was how our relationship, who we are as people can be so tied to relationship. God has made you relational. He's made me relational. But we have to be careful that our identity is not only tied to people, to the relationships that you and I experience as people. Today is Easter, and we celebrate God's pursuit of us. Now, I know that might sound crazy because maybe if you stop and think about that, Nathan, wouldn't that be Christmas? God's pursuing us? Isn't that Christmas? Christmas, that's when God sent his son. That was a gift. That's God's pursuit of us. Yes, that is God's pursuit of us. But the resurrection brings about meaning to why God sent Jesus in the first place. Why Jesus came. The resurrection brings hope to the fact that he died on a cross. It helps us understand 33 and a half years. His 33 and a half years here on earth begin to make sense when we understand the truth of a cross but not just a cross, an empty tomb. We begin to understand 
that God is in pursuit of you and me. God longs for a relationship with us. And if we do not find our identity first and foremost in our relationship with Him, we will struggle. We will struggle through life. And we will be looking to people to give us our validation. If we don't find our validation in who God is and what He says of us, we will be looking to other people, other relationships, because we'll be hungry for it. Why? Because God made you and me hungry for that. He made us relational. Today I'd like to read from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. You're welcome to turn in your Bible. Um, You're welcome to just listen. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to turn. There's a Bible on the P-Rack in front of you. You're welcome to use that. Matthew chapter 28. And this morning, I'd like to just work through this passage. Um, This is one of four resurrection accounts that we have. And I'd like to read this together. Matthew chapter 28. Beginning with verse 1. And I just want to first just begin by reading verse 1. It says this, After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. You notice who goes? Two women. Two ladies are the very first to go. Jesus made his appearance to two ladies. Mary Magdalene and another Mary. There's been question. Well, why wasn't Jesus' appearance first to the disciples. And, and Bible scholars have wrestled with this, and there is no definitive answer. But I can say this, the ladies saw Jesus first because they were there. That's why they saw him. Because these two ladies went. These are the ladies who went. The disciples could have gone, The disciples could have put spices on. The disciples could have accompanied the ladies. They could have made sure the ladies were safe. The disciples didn't go, but these two ladies went. Why did Jesus appear first to them? I don't have all the answers, but I'll tell you this. The disciples appeared first to them because the the ladies were there. That's why these ladies had this encounter with Jesus. They were privileged to have this first. When did this take place? On the first day of the week. Now, for us as Americans, we have this tendency of thinking, first day of the week, oh, that must be Monday. No, we're talking Sunday. Today is the first day of the week. In this culture, they did not have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on and on. They didn't have those names. They didn't have those words. It was simply the first day after the Sabbath. The second day after the Sabbath. The third day after the Sabbath. Sabbath meaning seventh. That's how they marked the days. And these ladies, because the Sabbath was over, and it was early in the morning, one of the gospel writers says it was still just just dark, or just becoming light, going to the tomb. They wanted to put spices on Jesus' body. And they go. 
Look at verse 2. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and become like, became like dead men. A giant earthquake. This was quite the weekend. This is the second major earthquake that they've experienced. At Jesus' death, at his crucifixion, when he gave up his spirit, the earth shook. So much that graves were opened. This is crazy. Graves were opened. And saints of the past, I don't know how many, but saints of the past actually came back to life and began to walk around Jerusalem. Talk about crazy. A giant earthquake. And and now again, there's another earthquake, another massive earthquake that takes place. All I can sense is that there must have been this eerie feeling. We've had one major catastrophe. The king of kings, as he has been called, has been crucified. He's been placed in a tomb. And now there is another earthquake on top of that. For three hours, when it was supposed to be light, it was dark. That bothers me. It's just eerie. This is really crazy. What's going on? I think that had to be going through their minds. And there's another earthquake. And the stone is rolled away. And these big, burly soldiers, centurions, these guards, who are trained for battle, see an angel roll the stone away and seat himself on the stone. And these guys who are trained for battle, trained to engage in battle, fear for their lives, shake and become like dead men. They pass out. Verses 5 through 7. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. These angels, or the angel, talks to the, to the ladies. The angel is seated on the stone and, or in the, in the tomb and says, Hey, don't be afraid. Why is this angel saying, don't be afraid? I assume it's because they're afraid. Have you ever seen an angel before? I haven't seen an angel before. I've talked with a couple people who have said that they believe they've seen an angel. I can't say if they have or if they haven't. All I can imagine is if I saw an angel, I'd pee my pants. I think that's what I would do. And this angel is saying, don't be afraid. Why? Because you're afraid. You're afraid. An angel is seated. An angel 
is in bright white saying, hang on a second. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus isn't here. And you should have known this because he told you about this before his crucifixion. He told you that he was going to be crucified. He told you that he would rise from the dead. This shouldn't be any surprise, but since you seem surprised, don't be afraid. Instead, I want you to go talk to the disciples. You know, those 11 guys who are not with you. I want you to go talk with those guys. I want you to go talk with them and tell them to meet me in Galilee. I want to go meet them there. Jesus had actually said before his crucifixion that after his resurrection, he would go to Galilee. Disciples should have known this too. And the angel just simply affirms, I want you to go to Galilee. By the way, it was in Galilee that Jesus gave what has become known as the Great Commission. Some famous words of Jesus. Go into all the world. I want you to make disciples of all people. Why? Because God is a relational God who loves all people and longs for a relationship with all people. This is why Jesus rose from the dead. Verse 8. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. These two ladies have had this encounter with an angel. They understand that there is an empty grave. They can go inside. They can look. They understand that, ah, there's no Jesus here. Here's the grave clothes. They're over here. There's no Jesus. You can look under them. There's no Jesus. They understand this. They go on their way to find the disciples. And as they're going on their way to find the disciples, they have another encounter. And if the very first one wasn't enough to shake them, the second one had to shake them for sure. Jesus says, greetings. They're walking along and all of a sudden it's Jesus. And their response is to fall to his feet and grab him. Jesus, it's you. What the angel told us is true. Jesus, it's you. And Jesus' response to them as they worshipped him was, Go and tell my brothers. This is the only time that we have it recorded that Jesus calls his disciples his brothers. Go and tell my brothers. Tell them what? Tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. The resurrection is true. I want to meet my brothers. Why? Because Jesus is relational. 
Jesus longs for relationship. Go and tell my brothers the good news. Tell them that I have risen from the dead. Tell them that I'm alive. Tell them I want to see them. I want relationship. Going back to relationship. God has made you relational. God has made me relational. What relationships satisfy you the most? What relationships do you look to to find your validation? And can I ask you, how much of our earthly relationships have you been craving and seeking for? And maybe you're finding it what you want, and maybe you're not, because some people find what they want, and sometimes I almost say, pity those people who find exactly what they want relationally, because they have no need to look to their father. Oh, they have a need. They just don't know they have a need. Or maybe you are craving relationship on the earthly uh, realm, and, and you're not finding it. Understand that we are most satisfied when we find our relationship with God. Why? Because we were designed for a relationship with God. You and I are designed for our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And God has given us relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's found in Jesus. It is found in Jesus. His love and His pursuit was demonstrated through the cross. But you know what? Death on a cross doesn't mean a whole lot. There was a lot of people who died on the cross. A lot went to the cross. But only one rose from the dead after the cross. And that is what makes the cross significant. And that is why Paul says we boast in the cross. Have you ever thought that this is a little bit weird that we would have a cross or that we actually boast in a cross? We boast in a cross because of what the cross pictures, because of what it means, because of what we are, what it gives us, because we experience life forever with God. Life forever with God is what you and I are intended for. God has made you relational, relational for him. Do you know him? If you do not know him, then you will be searching, hoping to find something to help fulfill the longing that you have just naturally been given. Find it in Jesus. That's the only place you're going to find it. How do you find it in Jesus? The Bible says that we recognize that we are sinful, that our sin has separated us from God, but that Jesus came, and if we place our faith in Jesus, 
He restores us. He gives us new life. Does that seem too good? Does it seem too simple to be, to be true? There's times where I definitely think that. God, why don't you create something bigger? That's just too simple. And yet I'm so thankful that God created it so simple. So thankful for that. It is that simple. Faith in Jesus. And if you do not have a relationship with God, which comes through Jesus, then look to the Lord this morning. Look to him. Come to him in prayer. Acknowledge that, yes, I'm sinful, I'm broken. I long for a relationship with you, God. I sense that I was designed for you. I place my faith in Jesus. I place my faith in your son. I want to close in prayer. And um, as, as we do, I'm a, as a pastor, I don't like to try to, I am not one to try to manipulate. That is not my job. That is not my job at all. But I would just ask you, if God is speaking to you this morning, if you would say, you know what? I either don't have a relationship with God, my Father, which comes through Jesus, or I, am, I have been looking to other relationships or other things and neglecting my most important relationship with God. And would you just take this time of prayer to acknowledge that to the Lord, to come to him, to confess that? And to invite him into your life. Or just simply to acknowledge that, Lord Jesus, I need you. And there have been times in my life, I know there have been in my life, where I have neglected you. I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me for that. You are my number one relationship, and I seek you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I just want to close in prayer at this time. God, I pray that you are speaking to us. Father, I thank you for the truth of the resurrection. God, thank you that we do not serve a dead Jesus. That Jesus came back to life. He came back to life by his own power. He came back to life by the power of the Father, you, God. He came back to life by the power of the Spirit. All three were involved in the resurrection. What a beautiful thing it is. Because because Jesus lives... We, too, can have life. And right now, I just want to give you a moment. As you are praying, if there is emptiness in your life because there is no relationship with God, then may you just simply confess to him, Lord, I am sinful. I recognize it. I need you. I invite you to come into my life. I ask that you would save me from my sin. Forgive me. Please give me this new life. I place my trust in you. If you are a believer and yet you would recognize that I have been putting other people or other things in greater impor- of uh, greater importance than what you are, forgive me for that. And I pray that you would just acknowledge that right now. Coming to the Lord and saying, God, forgive me of that. May I keep you my number one priority, my greatest relationship. God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the beauty of what today means for us as believers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.